Welcome to Mazum Gumzo, African Scholarly Conversations, a podcast that highlights the perspectives of various stakeholders in academia and research fields across Africa through open dialogue on Mazum Gumzo on scholarly communication in Africa. Today's episode features an engaging session on the topic Regional Open Science Dialogue in Southern Africa by Joy Owango, the Executive Director of TCC Africa, Professor Olushola Bandele Oyewole, Secretary General, Association of African Universities, Professor Tawana Kupe, Vice Chancellor of University of Pretoria, Dr. Nokutula Nchunu, Deputy Director, African Open Science Platform, AOSP, Professor Roda Wanyenze, Executive Board Member, Declaration on Research Assessment, DORA, Mrs. Susan Velsman, Director, Scholarly Publishing, Academy of Science of South Africa, Mrs. Mweneni Shahungu, National Open Science Policy, National Commission on Research, Science and Technology, Namibia, Ms. Ruhina Anand, Executive Director, Global Publishing Development, as Plus, Dr. Rakeshni Ramota Preschool, Acting Deputy Director General, Technology Innovation, Department of Science and Technology at the University of Pretoria. Dr. Peggy Boateng, Executive Secretary, African Academy of Sciences. Professor Rafos Ismail, Senior Researcher, Center for Science and Technology Studies, University of Leiden, and Associate Fellow, University of Sussex. Professor Madara Ogot, Chief Executive Officer, Ubuntu Alliance. Dr. Lucien Abrahams, Director, Link Center, University of the Witwatersrand. Ms. Ellen Tise, Chairperson of the Board, South African National Library and Information Consortium, Sandlink. Dr. Clifford Nzumani, Deputy CEO, National Research Foundation, South Africa. Now, our next speaker is uh, Dr. Nokutula Mchunu. She is the Deputy Director of the African Open Science Platform. And as we speak, she's not even in South Africa at the moment, she's in Canada. So it's very early in Canada when she's going to share, uh, give us her talk on the developments on open science in Africa. As I said earlier on, the reason why we are bringing in all these stakeholders is so that we can share with them what we are proposing as as the normative or the expected ways in which open science should be incentivized. That is literally what we are discussing today. So we're listening to what the various stakeholders are proposing, but at the end of the day, it is what do you want done in terms of incentivization of your work, especially if you adopt open science? How do you define incentivizations when it comes to uh, the work you produce based on open, when you practice open science, because this is going to, this kind of dialogue is what is shared with the various stakeholders who are in this meeting, both government and also higher education leaders, such that by the time they're updating their open science uh, policies or open access policies, this information is also added in it as well, is included as well. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Dr. Nokutula Mchunu, who is going to take us through the status of open science in Africa, what the, Association, uh, the African Open Science Platform is doing to bring in all the stakeholders together, especially in this conversation on open science. Over to you, Nokutula. Uh, hi, everyone. I hope that you guys can hear me very clearly. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Joy. 
yes. Uh, thank you for the opportunity and welcome to everybody. It's early morning here. Uh, Joy didn't give me the same option as Professor Kupe. I would have also made a recording. I'm joking. It, it is a pleasure to be here, although not physically. I would have loved to be in Pretoria. Uh, so I'm just going to go through a little bit on the African uh, Open Science Platform, just for the sake of the people who are not familiar with the, with the platform. And then I'll try to go through some of the regional uh, developments that have been happening. I may not uh, go through all of them because there's quite a, there's been quite a lot of activities, but I am sure during the week, uh, during these two days, uh, people will be able to cover most of the, the, the activities that are happening in, 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 in Africa. I have no control of my screen, Joy. I'm not sure. Um, you do have control. Okay, let's go to my next slide. Okay. Let me just do that. Yep, I cannot move my cursor on my side. Okay. Um, then remove it from slideshow and just present it as is away from slideshow yeah. because you were able to do that earlier on. Yeah. Okay. Can, is it moving now? No, it's not shared. Apologies, everyone. Let me try it. Okay, apologies, everybody. I'm not sure what's happening. So we 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 depart, of course, if you, we distill the the UNESCO recommendations into what the the basic um, uh, principles of them is to make sure that open science what we will achieve is through is make sure everybody is accessible to information, inclusivity, and equitable. Of course, this open science recommendation sees science as a, as a common good for, for, for the society. So the open science platform has in, been envisioned to make sure that it's a continental open science vision. So at, at, at this, uh, towards the first phase of the development of the platform, what we've been doing is speaking and making sure we're speaking to the different regions in Africa in order to understand what is their needs. So what we aim of the platform is to make sure that the African scientists, as yes, I know these dialogues are aimed at sometimes policies and other stakeholders, but the biggest stakeholder in this, in, in science or in the generation of knowledge is the researcher or academic or the scientist and the public. So we are making sure that the scientist or the researcher or any producer of knowledge in the continent, we want to make sure that they can use or leverage the digital age to be at the forefront of, of, of global knowledge, of global challenges that they participate fully in, in the science enterprise. Ms. Nodumo and Professor Kupe talked about visibility of African scientists. We need to do this in the continent and with our other global partners. But in order to make sure that this vision actually works with the, we need certain pillars that need to be set in order that the researchers can be able to participate fully 
in the democratization of knowledge and, and science. So one of them, and tomorrow we'll be spoken about is the infrastructure. So we think that in the continent, we need a federated infrastructure. Not everybody can have a high computing facilities, but if it's hosted in a different country or few countries, if it's connected together and it's shared within the continent, it can easily use to by researchers to access services, tools, even policies and data management systems. The other thing in order again for our, our stakeholders to participate fully, they need we need to develop data science and AI institutes. And of course, these days AI has become such a big uh, talking point. It is important so that they can utilize the open science uh, initiative or enterprise in order to make sure that we advance and they participate in, in, in this. Open science cannot happen without collaboration. But if you look at many studies, collaboration by African scientists is most of the time is towards the North. It's not intercontinental uh, collaboration. We need to try and promote this between the scientists in many research areas like health, biodiversity, to just name the other. The other one, and, and Joy has started talking to a little bit of it, Madara will talk to about it. We already have networks of education, the entrance, but we need to create networks upon networks in order for open science and the sharing to be broadened up and leverage and multiply so that people can share and use resources that are available. And the last point, of course, is what we're doing today, making sure that we are having dialogues in the networks, in open science and open access. And we think for this moment in time, these are the pillars that needs to, to happen within the continent for it to co consolidate the open science initiative. And then we, ca we can then see how we move forward. So what we've done with that is that the African Open Science Platform, we think as, again, I think Ms. Nodumo, everybody's on the same page. We need uh, regionalized bodies that will make sure that their region's interest is taken care of and they are prioritized what they need. So the African Science uh, Platform has had made calls last day for nodes. In next month, as in of May, we will announce the nodes that have been awarded in, I think we have selected three nodes about now and maybe about five projects on open science. So we will probably have a node in North Africa, in East Africa, and I think also in West Africa, where then th that node will be responsible for membership, for making sure that open science activities in the regions are taken care of, then connect to other nodes. And by doing that, we'll be able to connect the country. The second thing that we have done to make sure inclusivity in the platform is to appoint a governing council represented by as many African member countries or people belonging into different member countries. So we will again announce this in, in May. So I will talk a little bit on some development uh, that is happening in, 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 in Africa. Some of it is policy, some of them is activity. Some of them, I won't talk a lot about open, uh, open access communication and assessment because other speakers, we will speak about this. 
So in the SADC region, we know space science and, and, and certain frameworks that work within the SADC region uh, uh, go through this. So what is, we've done as an open science platform, we started having conversation within SADC to try how can we insert open science within the framework or within the development or within the conversation that is happening with, um, with the SADC region. And we think, again, this is the model that we should try at, at an onset on a developmental stage on certain policies that the open science is thought about already. Uh, in the programming, uh, um, the African science platform has within the NRF supported initiative. For example, we have a big uh, open data, health data initiative that involves 27 institutions, 17 countries, and it's growing. Everybody's welcome to join. This is data on health that will be on a platform that is open to everybody. And of course, personal data, people won't be seen. So this is built on the H3Net, which is a genomic uh, um, network before, but now it's going and looking at complete health data that is available in, 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 in the African countries. One of the things that we also think that we'll engage on is that we started also engaging on is making sure that we have repository platform on biodiversity that are open. So one of them is, for example, an example on the Okavango uh, repository. So I think this can be duplicated. Again, all these repositories can, can be connected. Some of our contributions, the slide from WACRAN. So in, in West Africa, these are some of the activities that have been happening where they've also been engaged with different uh, um, partners and networks in the region where they also discuss similar things, how the repository, the libraries, and they have uh, a, a network called Lipsense, which is driving the open science initiative in, the, in that part of the region. And of course, they also look at infrastructure as an entrance. So all the countries in West Africa, they also look at policy and governance and capacity building within open science. Uh, we've been also starting to engage uh, with certain countries on looking at how we can do open data repository, open, open access policies, and maybe look at other countries' examples on how do you approach an open science or related policy into this. So these are some of the few countries that we are started to have conversation with. And of course, this has been mentioned by uh, Joy already. South Africa has a draft on open science policy already. And we think that this will, of course, make a, 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 a big impact on, on, on how we do science. The African open science also has now thought about how we can leverage and widen our network. So we have the SGCI uh, initiative, which is, if the, maybe people who are not familiar with it, is the Science Granting Initiative. The AAU is also involved with this and TCC. So it's 17 countries that are 
funded to, to promote and manage research and having granting agents in their country. So they have an, an, an agreement and we think we can then set aside a portion to make sure that we can promote open science. And these are some of the activities they've been talking about and agreeing in what to do within the science grant, uh, granting councils. And of course, these activities are not, will not solely be for just the science granting councils, which are 17 countries, but additional countries, if they want to join in these activities, they will be most welcome. So we will again roll out these activities uh, 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 soon. So what we've seen and what during our discussion is that, yes, we have to think about what are the country's policy, example, uh, South Africa in uh, open science policy, if you look at Ethiopia, it has open access policy. Some institutions, again, have open access policies or mandates. Yes, it's still a, a little bit few people will talk about this. We need to start thinking about which one works. Do you need a new policy? Do you need a policy or data only, open access only? So different people will take a different route into making this, but we need to make sure we involve all the stakeholders. So what we've seen through the conversation is that it's not only the Department of Science, depending in different countries or higher education that should take charge of this, but you need to think about trade, economy, you need to think about indigenous systems. So this involves other um, departments or other stakeholders that must be in this conversation of open science. Yes, we talk policy, we talk all of the things, but the most important people in the enterprises, I started this on open science, is the scientists. So they think on publication or data ownership, how are we going to be incentivized or awarded? How, who is in charge or what, who will look after all this data or all the open science enterprise that, that, that will happen? So we really need to think, and I'm sure that during these two days, some of the speakers will think about or talk about new models or systems of publishing. How do you generally de democratize science really? How do you make it available? Again, the, 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 the principle of the UNESCO recommendation is to make sure everybody has access. It is equitable and it is beneficial for the society. So we really need to think, how can we do this? Do we have publishing models that promote accessibility, that promote equity? that democratize science so it's available for everybody. How do we think what, and Ms. Nodumo from the AAU has talked about this, how does the open access benefit the developing world, the African continent? How can we make this system work? And of course, we cannot have this conversation without talking about research assessment and incentives. And there will be people who are expecting this during this workshop and it'll be discussed, but we always, and, and I beg everybody, we always have to put the scientist, the producer of knowledge in the center of this conversation, because I believe that if 
if the knowledge producers, which is the scientists, the community, the researchers, they do not adopt open science. We do not make them see not just the benefit, what is the reward, what is the in it for themselves. Yes, they do science for the benefit of the society, but they need to be rewarded for, the, for their work. So we really need to think about this because if we cannot get them to move together as policymakers, funders, even if we make policies, if they refuse to adopt open science, it will fail. I will end there and thank you for listening. I will take questions at the end for the discussion. And I won't be able to join for, for tomorrow because I have other activities, but I hope today I will stay for most of the day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nokutula. Um, and it's also amazing to see what the AOSP is trying to do to consolidate this conversation on open science from not only a community engagement perspective, but also from an infrastructural perspective, but also bringing in all the stakeholders. So we also need to know who do we need to have as our go-to in the continent when it comes to matters regarding open science. And that is what is actually happening right now. With, uh, with the creation of the nodes in, in the continent, it means that each region will have a representative partner that they could work with and know what is happening in regards to open science in, in their respective regions. So our next speaker is Professor Roda Wanyenze. Professor Roda Wanyenze is the executive board member of the Declaration of Research Assessment, DORA. So as I say, today we are talking about incentivization and also research assessment. And, for, and her talk is going to be on normative incentivization initiatives that can be adopted by funders and higher education institutes. Over to you, Dr. Professor Wanyenze. Uh, thank you very much, Joy, uh, and uh, a good morning, everyone. I do appreciate the opportunity uh, to share my thoughts around this uh, as a member of the DORA uh, Executive Board. Um, although my primary institution is Makere University, I'm a professor in disease control, and I'm also the dean of the School of Public Health at Makere. Can you see my slides? Yes, we can. Okay, just checking to be sure I'm in, uh, in, in the slideshow uh, before I get started. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just turn off the video temporarily. My internet doesn't seem to be uh, too good. Um, so um, in, in my talk, I, I will highlight a few issues, uh, especially touching on open science and research assessments, uh, which is also one of the areas that DORA is working with. And I'll share uh, a few examples of what DORA is working on to uh, provide some templates that institutions can use uh, as they consider um, reviewing the research assessments. Um, a bit on the why um, and, and what and, and how, of these shifts, and I'll give a few examples, including uh, what's happening in Europe, for example, uh, where the Association of Universities is making quite uh, steady steps towards improving uh, this. So, so basically, this is the, uh, the focus of my uh, presentation. 
And um, one of the key things I need to note is uh, many of us have spoken, especially around open access policies for publication, but we have not done as much in terms of uh, openly sharing uh, data uh, or other scientific tools and materials uh, to be used by others and, and how this can happen. And uh, as an example, I, I make reference to a survey that was done in more than 200 universities in Europe where uh, in 2018, where 62% of these universities had policies on open research publications, but only 13% had open access uh, policies in relation to data. And, and uh, perhaps the situation might be um, uh, uh, worse for us on the African continent. We are not necessarily discussing this, uh, perhaps uh, as much as they have done um, and, and the ground that they have covered to provide this. But I'm happy to hear from the previous speakers on the efforts that are happening in Africa. And perhaps we might also at one point move towards uh, developing mechanisms to evaluate where we are in this, um, in this space. But one of the other main challenges that I've heard from previous speakers is the approaches to research assessments in universities, which do not favor or offer sufficient incentives and rewards for making research outputs, particularly data, openly available. And we know, as the previous speaker has just emphasized, that no researcher, and especially the early career researchers, will depart from the traditional principles of publishing or perishing to take steps to the broader aspects of research and its impact um, without sufficient incentives. And we look at these incentives for, for us as researchers, since I'm one in a university, uh, in terms of rewards for hires, who gets hired, who gets promoted, and how are our grant applications uh, reviewed and, and approved? This drives normally what we focus on because we want to be competitive. So without touching on those issues, it makes it difficult to make uh, a shift towards uh, this open access movement and making research data findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable. So this makes it really challenging, but there are also issues around the infrastructure and systems and the culture and how it impacts on the decisions that we make. So there are several efforts now that are ongoing uh, and, and, and good to know Africa is making a lot of these as well and, and, uh, to, to, to try and get us together so that we can network uh, towards making uh, science uh, uh, more impactful to our communities. I did mention the European University Association earlier that is supporting the development of uh, research assessment approaches uh, with a focus on research quality, the potential and future impact of research uh, that take into account open science practices. And hopefully we can also uh, search for and find some of these tools and make reference to them as we begin to develop our own and, and of course making adaptations to make sure that they are responsive to our context within uh, Africa. We have seen the assessments that I, I referred to earlier of what's happening in universities so that as, as they move forward, they are, they are basing on what exists within their universities. And they're making emphasis on transparency as well as responsible essential elements in the transition. 
And then we at DORA uh, are also working on this. DORA is a global initiative that is working towards transforming research assessments. And I'll share with you some of the tools uh, shortly. This is a summary of one of the uh, assessments that I referred to that the e EU Association uh, of Universities has been doing. And uh, this is uh, in, in one of their uh, surveys where majority of universities largely were valuing publications and focusing on numbers of publications as well as citations, external funding, and then the peer review of publications for promotion. And very few of them uh, focused on uh, issues related to mentoring, the processes, uh, social outreach and impact of the research, knowledge transfer had not been fully integrated. And then there are issues around open science. When you share your data, how is that recognized and actually rewarded in your institution uh, when they are doing hires or promotions? So these are some of the key things. Uh, and this is the picture for the, the EU, but what does it actually look like for us in Africa? It might be worthwhile uh, assessing this as well. Then in terms of the funders, what is really happening? There is this good publication that I would recommend you look at, and I've included uh, the link uh, in this, but certainly the funders are making a shift because they do recognize that the narrow application of criteria and indicators for research quality and impact uh, distorts incentives, including award of grants. It also does apply unnecessary pressure on scientists uh, to publish or perish, and sometimes leads to um, uh, uh, dishonesty in terms of people duplicating uh, uh, publications and amassing numbers without focusing on quality and impact. And, and increasingly, the funders are now emphasizing impact and actually asking that we show what we have done previously and how it has impacted our communities, what difference this has made. So there is a shift that is beginning to happen. And, um, and uh, you can look at this again, uh, because it shows that um, in about 55 funding organizations that were reviewed um, uh, in this article, there has been uh, those that responded, 55 organizations that responded, 60% were already piloting changes in CVs and how they review uh, the credibility of the researcher as well as the researchers institution. They had introduced new assessment systems as well as processes. And for colleagues in this session who have been doing applications, I'm sure you have seen the shift in the CVs for several major funding agencies where they are asking us about what we have done and its impact as opposed to just focusing on how many publications we have. Now about DORA, uh, since I'm going to share some tools, uh, DORA uh, is an idea that came up in 2012 during uh, a meeting of the American Society of Cell Biology in San Francisco. And this year we are celebrating uh, uh, 10 years uh, since the initiative was launched with more than 20,000 individuals uh, and uh, institutions from 148 countries that are signatories, including several universities, as well as several funding agencies that are members, uh, including having membership on the board uh, of DORA. The initiative calls for elimination of journal-based metrics in hiring, promotions, as well as funding decisions 
and also recommends that organizations be explicit about the criteria used to evaluate researchers and take a holistic approach to assessment, considering the value as well as impact of all academic outputs and not just journal articles. So this is really the focus uh, of, uh, of DORA. And uh, the previous speaker talked about uh, putting um, researchers at the center of the change. Um, uh, this shows many of the key stakeholders that are involved if you're going to have a shift in terms of research assessments. And certainly researchers are really important. They produce the knowledge. They want to know that there will be rewards uh, for what they do. The ownership of their data is important. There are issues about patents. People worry that they are going to lose uh, ownership of their data as well as patents for their innovations. So these are issues that need to be worked on. To what extent can you open up and what are the caveats to protect the researchers? And this calls for a number of shifts at institutional level uh, in terms of systems as well as uh, infrastructure. So there are quite a number of issues and a number of players that um, come into play when we are making uh, these decisions. This makes it complex because it has to be approached in a systems-wide uh, review, considering both the internal institutional environment as well as the external environment and how it impacts the decisions. For example, do we have, I've been hearing about repositories for data, it costs money. If you're going to archive data in a good way that someone is able to find it and make sense of it and use it, that costs money, somebody must pay for it. So there are things that must change, infrastructure and systems uh, in addition to policies within institutions. But at the same time, we have to be mindful of uh, external environment. There are university rankings, for example, Times Higher Education and many others. They are ranking us and quite often we are, we are worried to see our institutions go down. We want to, the, to do the best to keep our institutions up there. And because of that, we are driven to do only what they use to rank sometimes rather than focus on the actual impact of the research. And fortunately, some of these external rankings are also beginning to change but we must be mindful of what we want uh, ourselves as institutions and as countries and as a continent when we decide um, uh, to make these shifts. At the same time, there are national level policies. How do countries fund, uh, how do governments fund their universities and other higher education institutions? What are the incentives? What do you consider before you fund maybe one institution more than the other? If we are going to focus on again, just the outputs of numbers of publications, then the universities are going to behave that way. So the national level policies in higher education and science and technology are really important uh, to consider as well. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, actual research assessments and the tools that might be available from DORA, there are quite a number. DORA has been doing seminars and, um, and connecting with the researchers as well as uh, funders and the uh, and, and, and uh, we are happy also to connect and continue to do some of this with a focus on research assessments if this is seen as a, a contribution that DORA uh, can make. But we've also had several tools uh, that have been developed, including uh, uh, beginning to, and there are already some case studies from universities that have made some shifts 
And um, Dora is going to continue doing this so that these tools are available for those that would like to be able to make um, uh, shifts. So this can be accessed on the Dora website and I have included some links uh, to, to this presentation that can be used. And this is one of the, the tools, uh, the space rubric uh, that was developed uh, in consultation and engagement with individuals across several countries. Uh, 26 countries, uh, individuals uh, were involved across six continents in uh, the preparation of some of these tools. And uh, they are available, they can be of use. Uh, if one would like to shift, the link is there in the chat. You can look at um, the, the website and, and see uh, what can be picked. And how this can be used, uh, the space rubric, it can be used to retrospectively uh, evaluate if an institution has already made a shift and would like to know whether you're creating impact, where you're moving, where you're going, the tools can be used to do that. But they can also be used when you're beginning uh, to be able to assess the environment in terms of where we are and carefully look at it in a more comprehensive way, uh, looking at all the players as well as the culture, the institutional policies, systems, and infrastructure in a more comprehensive way to be able to plan. And it does provide opportunity to customize uh, it's not cast in stone. You can decide where you want to go using uh, some of uh, these tools. And here, I just wanted to note that um, uh, DORA and the open access um, uh, uh, movements, that we are uh, in a way uh, related in certain ways, especially in as far as assessments for research are concerned. And we can build on these synergies to be able to uh, support the movements uh, uh, towards open access. Uh, as well, and especially to emphasize um, confronting the global as well as individual inequities in the production of research and its assessment, examining and challenging uh, power structures. I'll give an example. When we make data more openly available, who is it that's going to access it and who will have the best capability to use it? If we don't develop our capabilities, for example, to harness and analyze data quickly and be able to share, you will find that uh, the Africans are left behind. So we need to be thinking ahead. Can we improve our analytics capacity so that we can also access this data and use it? Because even when you look at openly available surveys like demographic health surveys from Africa, most of the publications are not from Africans. So we need to be thinking about this so that we can have equity at the center of this movement. We need to be anticipating and preparing ourselves in terms of skills uh, uh, to be able to fully utilize and benefit uh, from this shift. Um, in conclusion, I, I would like to say that um, the move towards open science is inevitable. We have to do this to maximize the investments in science in terms of impacting our communities uh, in development, but there is a lot that we need to do. And at the heart of this is incentives, incentives for individuals, incentives for institutions. There's going to be incentives for countries and incentives for the regions, uh, such our very, as our very own region in Africa. And then we have to be thinking the policies, structures, and systems, and we need to support institutions to be able to make this shift. They cannot do it individually. We need the external environment, 
uh, including relevant sectors like higher education and science and technology, as well as other sectors of government to be able to support us, as well as regional networks for us to learn uh, from one another. And I'm glad that we do have these networks in Africa that are pulling us together. This is going to be so important, but at the heart of it, we need to generate evidence. We need to evaluate what we are doing. What progress are we making? What are the bottlenecks? And how can we learn and continue to improve? This is going to be so important uh, to support this movement. Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity. And back to you, Joy. Thank you, Professor Wanyenze. As you're preparing to unshare, Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Mazum Gumzo Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on all our channels for more updates and for candid stories by researchers, policymakers, higher education leaders, and innovators on their journeys. See you in our next episode.